Hey hun, it's me, Danielle. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Huns to Humans. I'm here with my girl, Mallory. Um, you guys probably know her as um, I Don't Want No Huns on Instagram and TikTok. And um, Mallory, you just started doing these awesome videos where you take the cutesy videos that MLM girls do <laughs> and then put like real knowledge in yeah. the video and like copy them. And I'm living for it. One day I went back and watched my story and I just had like five of your videos. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, like, am I obsessed or? <laughs> I mean, it's honestly, I think that that's like, I found my, my niche, my niche, however you say the word like that. I don't even know how it I don't even know how I got the idea to do it. I, I just, I don't really even remember it. Cause it was like maybe a week ago. It wasn't even that long that I've been doing yeah. these, but I just like recorded a whole bunch at once, like just duetting her. Um, and then later is when I go in and I'm like, all right, what am I going to like, what, what text am I putting in here? And then they just like started taking off. People were like really loving them. And I was like, oh shoot, like this is, this might be the thing. So well, I, I don't know. Like that's people are doing that. I don't think I've actually seen anyone do that, which you like found your own thing, which is really I exciting. Guess. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool to see like I've never gone, I mean, I don't I would not say I've gone viral at all, but in my world, <laughs> to have my phone like constantly having notifications of people liking or commenting on these videos, it's viral enough to me that I'm like I'm resonating with people. Um, and that's pretty that's pretty cool. So. That's kind of how I feel about the podcast. Like yeah. every month, uh, my views go up and up. And right now, um, I just hit 3,000 plays uh, either Amazing. yesterday or the day before. Yes, and, that's so good. And I'm like, this is insane. Right. <laughs> For us small-time creators, when we hit like, like I think I'm at almost 500 followers on my Instagram. And I'm like, I'm famous. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not. Like not Everyone even close. loves me. Right. Like I'm going to be on Ellen. But actually is Ellen even a thing? I don't think she's even on TV anymore. Whatever. <laughs> I think Ellen got canceled. I don't really know. Oh God. Everyone's been canceled. Okay. Anyhow. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, do you want to tell us your MLM story and how yeah. it relates to your mental health story? <laughs> yeah which do you want me to start with MLM or mental health because I, I like a good blend they're just both a wild put, them, oh. put them all in your shaker cup and just shake it up <laughs> yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna put it <laughs> I'm just gonna make like a little protein mix of uh MLM ADHD culture okay um so yeah so I 
Let's see. So, okay. So talking mental health, I was diagnosed with ADHD uh, around like when I was 15 or 16. It's like a little unclear um, just because I don't remember, but my mom probably would. But in any case, uh, so shortly after I was diagnosed, I uh, started um, pretty regular therapy and I was medicated on legal meth as that one Monet Han liked to call it the other day. Um, but what it's prescription, what it's medically known as is Adderall. Um, and Adderall has like a stigma to it, you know, in general, because it's like the, the college drug. There's a lot, like when I was in college, I was approached all the time for people who knew, like who heard from the grapevine that I had Adderall. And I was like, oh no, you can't buy it from me. I use it every day. You can't have it. Um, so like it, it has a stigma because it is misused. So it is a controlled substance. I can only get one prescription a month. Like I can't do a three month prescription, whatever. So I've been on Adderall. I want to say loosely on and off for 20 ish years now. And when I say on and off, it's because I got off of it when I was pregnant both times. Um, and then through, you know, the care of my doctor, even though I was breastfeeding, um, slowly like rebuilding, um, you know, taking it. Um, and since there's not a ton of research on if it affects babies through breast milk, um, and my baby has been fine. Like she's seven, no, how many months? So she's almost 20 months. Ah, holy crap. Um, she's almost 20 months years old and she's still nursing and there's no end in sight, but there does not seem to be any behavioral issues from me taking the Adderall and her still nursing. So like, we're good. Um, and then when I was, uh, touring, when I was traveling, um, in my early twenties, I tried to get off of it too. Cause like traveling and trying to get a controlled substance prescription, like mailed to you was like really complicated. But aside from those like small times, I have been on Adderall for probably almost 20 years at this point. Um, so my ADHD manifests itself in hyper-focus, um, which probably is like what attributes a lot of these reels that we just talked about, because when I get an idea, something that excites me, I can't do anything else until I have completed that idea. So like when I make those, when I have recorded those reels in batches, it's been like, I will do like seven or eight to get them all out of my head. And then I can get back to like my actual job. Like I'll start work early. Like I'll come into my office at like 7.30 to like get myself ready and, and record a couple of these like reels. So that when eight o'clock starts and it's time for me to work, I can actually work. Um, so that's how my ADHD uh, manifests. It also manifests in um, a lack of impulse control. I have pretty much no filter, which for the most part, um, you know, really just aids in my comedic timing and my ability to like make people laugh because I don't process some things before I say it, I just blurt them out. But it has also gotten me in trouble. Um, you know, especially when you, if I, if anyone's ever worked, if you've ever worked in a place with like a toxic work environment, um, and if you've ever gotten that email, that's like, you know, dear Mallory, please see me in my office. And then I'm like, holy crap, I'm in trouble. And then I send an email back instead of just like letting it B, I'm like, what do you want? What's wrong? Like, you know, so like my impulse control is just like, there's just no, it's either zero or 60. I'm always one or the other. It also manifests itself in my ability. And I think I talked about this on my story the other day, my ability to be easily, I use the word manip, and I hate using the word manipulated because like, I don't want to make that, that can, that has a negative connotation and people can like, view the word manipulated as weakness. Um, 
So maybe I'll say easily convinced, but really it's manipulated. Like I, I have learned about myself over the past 10 to 15 years that I can be easily convinced, easily manipulated. I'm like a salesperson's, you know, uh, best customer, because if I go into a car dealership or any place where they're trying to sell me something, it is very likely that I'm going to leave there with that product because I'm just like, yeah, that's great. I want it. So in the therapy world, we like to reframe that into you trust people very easily. Yep. Okay, sure. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a really great way to reframe that. And I, and I do, I really do trust very easily um, because I've always had the mentality of, I will trust you until you prove to me that you can't be trusted. That's how I raise my children. Um, that's just, yeah, that's definitely how I have always functioned. So, um, as I have done this, like studying on MLMs and like, like done a deep dive and gone down the rabbit hole into the anti-MLM world, I have realized how these tactics that we talk about all the time that we're going to talk about tonight have really played on my ADHD. And so it's not like the MLM, you know what, maybe there is, there's like some secret layer down there where they're like the CEOs of MLMs are like, here's how we get the ADHD people. And here's how we get the people who are depressed. But there are these tactics that 100% are like, they, what's the word I'm looking for? They are effective on people who have any kind of mental disorder, disability, whatever you want to call having ADHD. Like, I don't like using the word disability, but like, technically, I guess it is whatever. Yeah. Um, I have another comment. (laughs) So I don't know if you've gotten your hands on it yet, but Amanda Montel's book, um, is it called cultish? Is that what it's called? I don't, I mean, what you say, Amanda Montel. Yeah. I don't know, but like, I have done so much like I'm listening to all of the cult podcasts and watching yeah, cult- all of the cult documentaries. So it's a called cultish cultish. Yeah. So I just finished reading her book cultish. Okay. And oh my God, first of all, very educational. I learned so many things in the last podcast that I just did. I talked about how I learned about the Jonestown massacre and how like I had to come, I changed my podcast intro completely because it was insensitive. Um, oh. yeah. Um, and Um, but anyways, what she says in that book is that, and I'm going to paraphrase. So everyone go read her book. It's so good. And it's going to be way better than what I can say, (laughs) but she talks about how MLMs and like recruiting things, they don't look for people that are money hungry or like, like the perfect candidate you know what I mean right they're looking for people that are driven and are like looking for like the long term Mm -hmm. like success and that like really feeds into people with ADHD myself included um Mm -hmm. like that dopamine hit that you get from doing these things Mm -hmm. yes we do (laughs) And like, it just, it just all works together. Like when I was reading her book, my brain like exploded like 17,000 times. So like, I'm going to have to, yeah, I'll have to definitely read it. It's pretty quick too. It's like, I listened to it on audio. I think it was about eight hours. That's what I'll have to do. Cause the problem, the other problem with my ADHD is it's very hard for me to get into books because like, if it doesn't hook me, 
right away, I am distracted. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's like the, my like mental health in a nutshell. Um, I also, you know, with both of my children, with my first, uh, pregnancy with my son, I did have what we determined later was like an undiagnosed postpartum, which is when my anti or my MLM journey began. Um, and then I was also battling some postpartum with my daughter, but it was kind of unclear really if it was postpartum or if it was just the fact that I had a baby when the pandemic started. And so everything was way worse, (laughs) you know, so, um, so I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of therapy. Um, there's a lot of mental health in my family. So like I am, um, and I'm actually, I don't know, I don't think I've mentioned this to you in our previous chats, but I was, I go bust tonight. Um, I'm currently in a master's program for a music ed degree, but I realize I don't want to do that. And through a lot of research with this and a lot of other different things that happen, I'm applying to uh, get a, my master's in education in school counseling and become an LPC because I really have become passionate about mental health and helping people in this way. So um, I'm like trying to like do what you do and like go down your path. Yay. Yeah, I know, right? It's super exciting. And I'm like nervous. I'm not nervous. I'm just like, anyhow, I'm getting off topic because we need to talk about the MLM part of <laughs> my life. So, okay. So here's how I got into MLMs. And it's like, I, I knew nothing about, like, I feel like the MLM community, like had a really huge boom in like 2014, 2015, especially when LuLaRoe like really started to take off. Um, so I had my son in 2014 and, you know, that it's, it's definitely one of those things where like, do you have children? No. Yes. No. Um, but I'm sure people have told you like, no matter how much people can warn you about what life after childbirth is like, you can say all you want that you understand. You will not understand completely until you live it. And that is, that is so true for my experience, me and my husband, like what we went through. And so we were really feeling, we were feeling the strain of having a newborn. Um, when I went back to work, uh, I, I mean, I've always kind of been, I don't want to use the word, the term workaholic, but I had gotten myself into a work position. I was a high school musical. I was a high school music teacher. Um, but at the time I was not a certified music teacher because in Pennsylvania, being a teacher in Pennsylvania is like hella hard. Um, there's like just way more hoops you have to jump through than you do in most states. Um, what I did have was a performance degree. I have a BFA in musical theater. And so I was working for a charter school teaching choir and music and musical theater. Um, and so when I went back to that school, uh, when I went back to work, uh, there was a person that I worked with that had just bought a new home and they were having like a party that he, they invited like a whole bunch of people from work to come to this party to help them like do a housewarming. We were like, well, what kind of party is this? And they were like, oh, well, my friend's wife sells Tupperware. And we were like, Tupperware, is that like, is that still like, is that like a thing? They were like, yeah, like what your grandma has. And I was like, yeah, my grandma has had tons of Tupperware. And they're like, yeah, it's still a, a business. It's still a company. So like my friend's wife is having a party at my house that I can get a lot of new stuff because I just moved. So we were like, I was like, yeah, of course I'll come to this party because, you know, we were work friends. Well, I ended up, I ended up being the only one from work who went. 
So I'm at this party with like a whole bunch of people I don't know, except for the person I work with. And, but I'm like watching this presentation. Um, and the woman who is selling Tupperware, really nice lady. She's like doing a demonstration on how, I think it was the cheese grater. It was like, when I look back and I'm like, this thing was not amazing, but she was like, look how smoothly it grates the cheese. And then she like made pizza and then we ate the pizza. And then she talked about all the other products. And then she started giving out little like raffle tickets. She's like, for every person that asks a question about my business, you get a raffle ticket and then I'll pull the raffle. Um, I'll pull a ticket and then you can win this like it's like this big of a Tupperware container, like so small, but like, I love free crap. I've always loved free stuff. I don't care how little or minuscule, like, you know, that episode of, I don't know if you watched the office yes. when Michael Scott goes to the conference, he's like swag stuff we all get. And it's like garbage crap, but it's like just the free stuff. I'm that person. I'm like, what can I get? That's free. I go to, I used to go to Sam's club just to get the samples. Like that is who I am at, <laughs> at my core. So when you tell me I have the opportunity to get something for free, I'm all in. So I'm asking like a thousand questions. The really like, I'm not gonna say embarrassing because I'm not easily embarrassed, but the really kind of like unfortunate part is that she didn't really have to try with me because I said, I remember saying out loud, like in front of all these people that I don't know, I was like, oh, I could totally do what you do. Like, but I said it kind of as just like a, like, I don't know. I didn't, I don't know if I meant it as a dig, but just like, oh, this is like, this is easy. And she was like, oh yeah, you totally could do what I do. And so she like then recognized me as a potential recruit. So she like really kind of zoned in on me. And so she started answering more of my questions. And I, and I remember somebody did ask, how is this not a pyramid scheme? And she answered the question. I forget exactly how she answered it, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, pyramid schemes are illegal and we sell a product and Tupper has been around since forever. So like easy. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Not a pyramid scheme. I'm convinced. So that night I left with my free little junky Tupperware thing. And I even remember that she was using like examples of how you could use some of the products that were so outdated. There was this one little Tupperware container that was like, I'm not, I still have some because they're convenient for like, like when I have to travel and I need to take like four pills with me right. because I'm going to be gone for four nights, super convenient to throw them in there, but you can also find these things at Walmart. Yeah. But anyhow, they're like this big, like a little circle. And the example she used was like, oh, you know, so if you, if you go to like the department store and there's like a perfume that you really like, if you put a cotton ball in here and you spray the cotton ball, then you have like that perfume for like a couple of weeks. And, I was, and at that time I was like, oh, cool. But I remember a couple weeks later, I was like, who, who's doing that under the age of 65? Like, <laughs> I don't know who's going to JC Penny and being like, oh, I really want this Estee Lauder perfume. Like no one's doing that. That's our age. So anyhow, um, but then they were, so that it was that month. It was in February. I remember because we were out for Valentine's day, like the day before Valentine's day, I was out with my husband and a bunch of his friends. Um, and she had been texting me because there was like a big promotion that this month, the join fee was only $64. And if you joined, you got that cheese grater for free. In addition to 
all of the other stuff. So as, how old was I? 29. I was just about to turn 30, maybe. So 29, 30-ish year old woman. I just bought a new house right before we had our son. I was working my tail off, not getting to socialize pretty much ever. So looking at like, oh, well, if I, you know, if I do this, I'll get to like host these parties. We'll get to see people. And I'm super, super social. I love going to parties. I love meeting new people. I love to talk obviously. Um, and so I was looking at it as a social opportunity for myself as well, because I was either working or at home with my son. Um, but I worked so much. There were some days where I would work from 7am until like four and then, or I would have a rehearsal after school. So I would work from like seven until five. And I would have another rehearsal up the hill from six until 10. So like there were days I was just gone all day and like never saw anybody except for children. And so like, I was looking at a, you know, this opportunity to just socialize. So she called me like one day I was at this, like this golf course bar, whatever. And she was like, Hey, like this promotion is going to end. Um, you know, do we want to get you, we want to get you signed up. Like she didn't, she didn't phrase it as like, do you want to sign up? She's like, we need to get you signed up before it ends. So I was like, Oh yeah. So I literally left the bar, got out my credit card and I put it on a credit card because I was too nervous to put it on my debit card because we were at that time very much living less than paycheck to paycheck. Like we were scraping by. Um, my husband had not yet gotten the job that he now has had for seven years. So I, I signed up, I gave her $64 and then, and I just told my husband, I was like, Hey, I'm going to sell Tupperware. He was like, what, why? And I was like, because I think it'd be fine. And look at all the stuff we get because we have a new house and we need to stock our kitchen. So like this, it'll be fine. Um, I think I sold, I think I, well, I don't know, it was maybe six months. I don't even think it was a year that it really happened. We did a launch party at my house where she came and she pretty much ran the party. And I remember having like a bunch of my friends come. There was maybe 10 people there. And I remember thinking like, this is definitely kind of awkward. Like it's a little bit weird um, because I had to like, I don't know. They just, the, the whole party setup just didn't feel nothing about knowing that people are there because you're going to try and get them to buy something felt comfortable at all. Yeah. Right. So, and at that time, I'm sure the Tupperware has changed since then, but at that time there was no, if you had a website, you had to pay monthly to maintain a website. So in order for people to place orders, they had to fill out like an old school order form for you. And then you had to get their credit card information or a check or cash from them. So where it really started to become extremely uncomfortable for me is when I would have to call people after following up with them on Facebook or whatever and get their credit card information. And on more than one occasion, if they had written it down for me and then it would get declined, I would have to call that person and be like, hey, Kathy or whatever. Uh, so your credit card was declined. And then that whole, like, I don't know if anyone's ever had to do that. Or if you're just like in retail in general, like if you're at a the register and their card is declined, it's very uncomfortable looking at someone and saying, this card doesn't work. So then calling them at their home too, makes it extra uncomfortable. Right. Um, so then like trying to book parties, I, I think that I only booked one other party other than that. And that party was equally as uncomfortable. I was just like waiting for people to show up. 
and it was just, you know, for me being as social and as outgoing and dramatic and theatrical as I am, I was super, super uncomfortable. Um, and so I started focusing more on like when they had these flash sales of like, hey, you can get these water bottles that fit an entire bottle of wine in them for $8 instead of 11. And so what ended up happening was at some point I was encouraged to buy a whole bunch of water bottles because then I could resell them. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense because I'm going to get them for $5, but I can resell them for 11. I can't tell you how many water bottles I got rid of when we moved recently because I found my Tupperware bag just full of water bottles. And still somehow with the minimal amount of sales that I did, I still did get free, a lot of free stuff. So I have countless Tupperware, but a lot of it was also stuff that I bought because I got it for a discount. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I really want those plates. Well, those plates were garbage and I had to throw them out recently. Like they're just, you know, it all ended up being garbage. Um, and I remember like when I joined, I got like three different phone calls from other people who were my uplines upline, welcoming me to Tupperware, letting me know if I had any questions. And then almost daily emails from my uplines upline or maybe her upline or whatever, inviting me to opportunity meetings. And so it wasn't Zoom calls at this point. It was like actually going to physical meetings. And occasionally I felt like this pressure to go, but I was like, I can't, I'm not going to this. Like I'm a teacher. I'm too busy. Like I don't have time for this. But when I started, I did go to my upline's house for like kind of a training to like talk through everything. And she took me to her office. And I mean, her, she just had like a whole wall of just shelves of Tupperware, big bowls and stuff. She's like, oh, I use this for giveaways and stuff. And I didn't have the, you know, the foresight to ask, like, did you buy this stuff? Did you get it free? I think she had been doing it for quite some time at that point. So she was kind of high-ish up. I don't remember what the ranks were in Tupperware, but long story short, near the end of a certain month or six months, there was like a push to have a recruit. Like you needed, I needed, I don't know why I needed this, what I was going to earn from it. I don't remember the specifics, but I needed a recruit. And so I called my cousin and I love my cousin dearly. She's wonderful. I was like, I don't know how I sold it to her, but she was like, I don't want any part of this. She's like, I want to help you. She's like, but I don't want the email. So she created a burner email so that all the emails would go there. She did sign up so that she, and she got the starter kit and got the whatever, so that whatever bonus I would get. Um, and then she like never touched anything with it ever again after that. Like she just completely, she got the stuff and she never touched it again. And then right after that happened, I, I just kind of stopped because it was so uncomfortable, um, you know, calling people to get their, their payment information and trying to like chase them down. And then especially calling them to be like, this was declined. What, so what do we do? And then most of the orders all came to meet. So then I would get huge boxes of Tupperware and then I had to sort out all the orders and then deliver it. And I was like, I don't, this is too much work. Like this is not anything I want to do. <laughs> so, and my upline really didn't give me any support too much. There wasn't, I don't know if Facebook groups was a thing, but like there was no Facebook group that I was added to at that time. So in general, it was just not a great experience. And I just ended up with a crap ton of Tupperware stuff, like 
citrus peelers and little teeny, you know, <laughs> perfume containers, stuff that I didn't need. So I stopped doing that. And that was like, you know, end of 2015, mid 2016, whatever. So like not even a full year. So then I didn't touch anything, but this is when like LuLaRoe started really expanding and like becoming huge. And I was going to, I was becoming, I don't, I don't want to use the word well-known, but like I was kind of becoming the person that a lot of consultants for a lot of different um, MLMs were reaching out to me to host because I was happy to host parties because I wanted free stuff. So I hosted a LuLaRoe party. I hosted a LipSense party. I, I mean, like, honestly, if there was a party that that you could host for some MLM, I'm likely hosted it. And I have a graveyard of crap to prove it. Um, so around that time, my good friend from college had signed up with Perfectly Posh. So this is like the MLM that I was really all in on. And I, I was like, uh, you know, and it kind of like makes me sad still to this day, but anyhow, she started selling perfectly posh. And I was like, oh, well, I like know this person. Like my other upline for Tupperware, I didn't know her. Like I met her at a party, but I knew this person and I was seeing her posts and she would just like post videos of her in a face mask or these quick little time-lapse videos of her washing her face. And it was always like, non-salesy and super not pushy. And so I was like, you know what? I do need a new face wash. I'm going to contact her and, and see, you know, try it out. So then she sent me samples for free. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Again, love free stuff. So I got these built this packet of like some samples that were packaged from perfectly posh and then some things that like she packaged herself like with little notes to it and she had like a nice note card attached it was like hey mal can't wait for you to love this stuff you're gonna feel so great let me know what you think and i would just love a review so i tried it it was good stuff like i will still say to this day that perfectly posh does sell decent stuff and it and it frustrates me because it's so expensive and it's an MLM. So, you know, I'm not going to buy it again, but I really did like it. Um, and so I started using this face wash all the time. So I was becoming a repeat customer. And then they came out with this eye cream. It was called Defiant Eye Cream. And I have pretty deep inset dark circles that are not only genetic, but then if I don't sleep well, like they get even worse. So like my dark circles are pretty bad. So I'm always looking for something to like fix them. Um, so when this came out, it was, it was not even a problem for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to spend $25 on this bottle of, of eye cream. And it worked like when I, like, I should find my before and after pictures, not to post on my thing, but just to like show you. Uh, Cause I, and I was really careful. I was like, I want my before and after pictures to be at the same time of day with the same lighting, because I know the before and after pictures can be super deceiving and people can question them. So I made sure that the, the before picture I took was at like I think I remember it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. I went to the window that had the best sunlight, took a picture of just my eyes and then waited two weeks, one o'clock, went to that same window. And so like the lighting is pretty much identical. And the difference in my eyes, my, my, my dark circles from that cream was significant. So I was like, holy crap, like this stuff works. And so, and that's the problem. Like when I was, when I first discovered Roberta Blevins, one of her TikToks was saying like, it's never about the product. She's like, some of these MLMs do have good products, but it's about the business structure, which at the time, you know, I didn't know. 
So I placed an order and for some, I placed another order and for some reason they sent me like a big sample pack of like 25 samples of this stuff. And the, the girl that would soon become my upline, she messaged me. She's like, I don't know why that came in your order, but if you want to sell them to me, I will 100% buy them for you. And I was like, mm, no, I'm going to keep it because I love this eye cream and I'm going to use them <laughs> for myself when I run out of eye cream. Um, so then around that time, I was starting to have another like backslide. Like my son was maybe three or four and I was starting to have like a little bit of a backslide and just like um, my mental health. I was, I was realizing that um, like I have a lot of hair growth on my chin and my neck. And so I was becoming obsessively um, tweezing it, which I think I've discovered there's a, there's a diagnosis for that. Not that I'm diagnosing myself, but what's it called? It's like a body. Do you know what it's called? Where you pick at skin and what's that called? Trichotillomania. Yes. That big word. I think that that's what I do have. I don't do it so much with this, but anyhow, um, I was doing it obsessively. And so I like was calling my mom and talking to my husband about it. And I was like, I think I need to like get back into regular therapy because at this point, my PCP was just giving me my, my Adderall prescriptions because I didn't really need to see a therapist at this point. So I started seeing a therapist again and the psychologist I was seeing thought that I might be bipolar. And so, um, <laughs> so I started medication for that. And this was like in the summer of 2017, 2018, maybe it's a little bit 2017. I, no, 2018. Yeah. Um, and so at this point I had been buying face wash and eye cream and all the soaps and stuff from perfectly posh from this girl for almost two years now. And I had seen her posting about how successful she was, like how this business was growing for her. And she would, you know, frequently post her why story. Um, and her why always started like a lot of people's why stories always start with, I never intended to sell. I never intended to sell, but then I saw that it could work. Like that's, it's like textbook. And even if that is truly what happened with her, that's like what happened apparently with a lot of people. Um, so I, it's a little unclear because I was going through like medication changes and I was feeling like pretty numb. It was also like right after um, Donald Trump had been elected. So I was like, you know, we were like a year into that fiasco and I was just like super depressed all the time because everything sucked. Um, and so my son was, had left to go to Kentucky. My mother-in-law lives in Kentucky with her girlfriend. And every summer my children go down there and we get like a staycation, me and my husband. So at that point, it was just my son. He had left. And this was the first time that we were doing a two week vacation where he was going to be on for two weeks. So I'm like on this medication, like change. And at some, I don't know what happened. If she, I don't remember, cause it's really unclear if she asked me uh, or just brought up joining, or I asked questions about joining from one of her posts that is intended to make you ask questions. Um, and so she and I had talked about it and she told me that she was able to quit her full-time job that she hated. She was miserable in her full-time job that she was able to quit her full-time job and, um, and that she was like completely replacing her full-time income. And she did share with me that the year before she'd cleared $50,000 in income. And I was like, holy crap. Now at this point, I was not thinking like, I'm ever going to want to sell soap full-time. Right. 
but if you, if she can do it, well then, and like, we had the same background, we had the same degree. I was like, okay, if she can do this, then sure. I could at least on a small level. So at like 1130 at night, I joined, like, I just got on her link and I just joined. And like the next morning she messaged me and was like, oh, Hey, there you are. I just saw that you joined. So then I get added to all these groups. There's like welcome posts. We want to welcome Mallory to the family, the sisterhood. We're so excited to have her. All the comments of like, welcome. If you have any questions, like super, super positive. And me being in this weird space, I needed that. I was like, yes, I've got this community. Um, And so it was not hard for me to go live and talk about it. I like immediately went live and was like, (laughs) But I started the live with like, hey guys, so um, I did a thing last night. I started a business, which like, oh my God, when I see these posts come up in my time hop, I'm mortified sometimes. Um, So I started doing fairly well-ish because I didn't need to have in-person parties. I only needed to have Facebook parties and, you know, my upline she was truly a really good coach in terms of like always being available for me. If I needed to talk to her anytime I could message her and she was there. Um, and her downline I quickly saw was huge. Like she, like, I don't like to use the word empire because that is associated now with another lovely human being. And my upline is a lovely human being. That's the thing that I get that like makes me so sad is that my upline is a wonderful person. And I truly believe that she believes in everything that she's doing and saying, and, and she doesn't see it for what it is. There's no malice. There's no manipulation intentionally being done. You know what I mean? So, um, so I started having, uh, so I hosted my own launch party and I did okay. And I actually like I should pull it up. I made a spreadsheet because I made a graphic um, a couple weeks ago, or maybe even was last week. I made a graphic about my sales um, on like what I actually earned and what I spent in like imperfectly posh because I was really curious, like what did I actually make compared to that? So in my first month, so here I just had a spreadsheet. So in my very first month, I only like sold $90 in personal volume. I only made $18. But then in the second month, I sold $750. And I was like, holy crap. But I only made $150 from that, which is like, you know, but at that time you're like, that's a that's an extra $150 I didn't have before. So no problem. Then the next month in August, like the next, what, from August until November, I made, I sold over a thousand dollars in personal volume, but then out of nowhere, because I love being on social media, obviously like with these reels, I was making a ton of posts of me just washing my face, like doing the things my upline did. And some people were reaching out to me saying like, Hey, you make that look so fun. I want to join under you. So all of a sudden, without me really having to try, I did have recruits and I had no intention of recruiting. I was not going to try and get anyone to join my team because that was not any, like I didn't feel comfortable with that, but people just started signing up under me. When I saw how my income was affected by having people under me who were also actively selling, then I did start occasionally messaging some people because then there would also be um, incentives. If you recruit If you sell $1,000 this month and have two recruits, you get, you know, uh, an extra hundred dollars or you get some sort of free product. 
And I was like, I want that. So then I would like message some people that I thought I could, that I, here's what it was. It was people that whether I want to acknowledge it or not, it was people that I thought I could convince and or manipulate into doing it. Not that I was maliciously trying to manipulate these people, but it was like, who do I think is going to actually do this? And those are the people that I messaged, which in other words, I would use the word target. I didn't, you know, I don't like saying that I targeted people, but no, that's I don't what think it, that any of us like to think that we manipulated or targeted or anything, but like, right, but that's what it is. It is. And like, that's, I, I've said this in other episodes and I'll say it in more. That is part of the hardest words are hard. Yeah. That is one of the hardest things about coming out from under the veil of MLM is that oh. you have to recognize all of the things that you unintentionally did. Right. Like it's like what Roberta Blevin says, you have to realize that you are also, you are both the victim and the predator. Yeah. And it is, it is a hard pill to swallow. So in those like months, like August, September, October, November, I was doing really well. Now in one of these months, I want to say like October, I did really well because I held a fundraiser at my school that my principal approved. Like I got it approved through administration. It is, it was not until like two months ago that I realized how completely unethical that actually was. But in my head, I was like, okay, I'm running this fundraiser. It's for my show choir. And I'm going to give all of my commission back to my show choir. But I had committed to 20% of sales. And when you get past a certain point of uh, sales as your PV, then it goes up to 25%. And then if you get another point, then it goes up to 30. And I mean, I hate saying this out loud, but I knew that I was only going to commit to 20% of the total sales. Yeah. I was not going to, Hey guys, if we get up to $4,000, I'll donate all 40% plus whatever bonuses I got because of my team volume, plus whatever bonuses I got in free product, Plus perfectly posh has the buy five, get sixth free, I think. So then like there was free product that I was able to just add to the cart because people were placing orders. And if they only placed five, there was a sixth one. And I was like, and people would say to me in the group, they're like, well, you don't have to give that to them. You can use that because it's free to give away as giveaways or resell, which I never resold and I never gave it away. So anytime that I have like a big number, especially around that September, October, that was a fundraiser. And like, I feel so like slimy when I think about it, cause I did it twice and it wasn't even that huge of a fight. Like it wasn't even that successful. So many of my students were like, we can't sell $25 face wash. And I was like, yeah, but we have $10 soap. And they'd be like, but I can get soap for like a dollar at target. And I'm like, but this is, this is special soap. It's Shea butter soap. Like I tried to sell it to my students, which is so oh my God, it's so unethical. And I hate, hate, hate it. So, but in those months, like I started doing well, then there was Christmas. I only took like 263 because it was like Christmas. I wasn't trying. And so for the next couple months after that, that's when I started to like fall off. And I was only selling like a couple hundred dollars. If that, like I was maybe throwing a couple parties, but not really trying. Then the school year started, I did a fundraiser to try to reboost my business didn't really take off. I just want to like clarify. So you're saying you're selling a couple hundred dollars, but that actually means you're getting like $40, right? Right. So, okay. So the actual kickback, the month that I made, 
Okay. I think the highest that I sold in 2018, here it is, is $1,689. I made in commission $448 of that, but my team volume was $2,500. So whatever bonuses I was making from my team, that's why I got 448. The month before I actually sold less in personal volume, but my team sold $2,600. So I made that month $528. But then that was, I think that was the fundraising month. So then that went back, like a portion of that did go to my, like I, I wrote a check to my show choir. But yeah, so like the actual amount of money that I was making was partially because of my team volume. So the one, and so the way that I justified it, because I remember I did ask my upline, like, how is this not a pyramid scheme? And the way she phrased it was like, she goes, anybody can rise above anyone else. She was like, right now I'm platinum premier or whatever. She goes, you can go above me. She's like, you can rise above me. And that's why it's not a pyramid scheme. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I I hate it when they say that, like they said that to me in Arbonne too. And they were like, it's not a triangle. It's a square. And I was like, um, okay. Square, call it a pyramid scheme, call it a square scheme, call it a circle scheme. Because then throughout the two years I was with Posh, they also changed, um, the, they changed a lot about their payment plan and their whole structure. So at one point they changed it to a sphere of influence So it used to be that when you had your downline, you made certain percentages from all of these people, no matter what tier or leg or whatever it was. Eventually it became the sphere where you only made money from your direct line and then your secondary line, like their recruits. And then anyone beyond them didn't matter in your income. And so when that happened, I was like, oh, all right. That's like definitely way less than a pyramid. Like this is, there's only so many people that I can actually have be affecting me. So it's a little less pyramidy. Then around that time, they changed us from consultants to influencers. I hated that. I hated saying I'm a perfectly posh influencer. Um, I'm like, I, I just, I have nothing against influencers, but that's not what we, like, that's not what we were doing. We were not influencers. We were, you know, perfect. We were consultants. Like that's what we were. Um, and then at some you point that perfectly pyramid consultant, <laughs> perfectly pyramid consultants. Oh my God. So good. That's so good. So at some point they went away from that. And, and when they went away from that sphere of influence again, I don't really know when that happened. Cause I was really kind of out of it. Um, I wasn't really paying attention to the Facebook group anymore. Um, but then they changed it around the second time I did the fundraiser. That's when they changed it to, okay, if you sell between a hundred and two ninety nine PV, you make 20%. If you sell between 300 and 500, you make 25%. And the more that you sell, then it goes up to 30, 35. And the most you can make was 40%. So like, and then it, it was like, it was retroactive. So if I sold $200, I was only going to make 20%, but then once I hit $400, I then made 25% on all of it. So then I would get, you know what I mean? Like it would yeah. add up. So I was like, oh, this is a really great compensation plan. I tried to re relaunch my business a couple of times. Um, and around, and in the middle of all of this, I lost my job when I was teaching because they wanted me to become a certified teacher in six months, which is literally impossible. And so they let me go. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to sell posh. And I tried to do it and I, you know, 
I do want to say that like when I started and when I was like really in it at the time I did enjoy it. Um, but when I think back about all the things I had to do, it actually like gives me anxiety now, especially because like you reset every month. Like, you know, like that's, that's something that they don't talk about when they recruit, they don't talk about how, when you make $1,600 in sales and then you earn a certain rank, but then the end of the month hits. And then the very first of the month, all of a sudden you're back to protege and you have to re-earn your rank. That's anxiety inducing. Like it's really, really frustrating. Um, and every single month, my upline would create graphics where she would put our profile pictures for the top earners from her downline, her secondary line, and like tag and congratulate all the people who had earned, you know, who had sold 200 to 500 PV, 500 to 1000 PV, 1000 to whatever PV. So every month there was this love bombing of yeah. look at how great these people are doing. And I remember the very few times that I made it onto her graphic. I was like, yeah, I did that. But it's like, you know, <laughs> it's just all, it's all false praise. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's right. not doing anything. There were a number of um, but charities that perfectly posh, like I forget whatever month is, is it November is also a uh, 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 women's abuse, not women's abuse, but whatever the month is, domestic abuse, domestic abuse awareness month, one of those months, they were, they were running a fundraiser. And so you were trying to get people to buy this purple pack. And did you make commission off that purple pack? You certainly did make commission. Or when people had a natural disaster, like if they were, when there's a hurricane and people are, you know, struggling to find supplies, we were encouraged to run a bulk order to send them healer sticks. Now, here's the thing. I loved the healer stick. The healer stick was great. I believed in the healer stick because it did, it did help with scars in my experience. I'm not making a medical claim. Mm -hmm. In my experience, it did help like minimize the um, appearance of some scars that I had from fresh cuts, not previous scars. So we were encouraged to like ask people to send me money so that I could order a whole bunch of healer sticks to send down to this place. And I'm like, but I'm making commission off of that. So that's not truly selfless. Like you're, you're, you're disguising this good deed in something that actually is going to benefit you. Yep. So it's not a self, it's not a truly selfless act. So, you know, I just kind of started like, and then I got really busy with my new job and I had another baby and I was just like, you know what? I don't really have time for this. I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna buy for myself. So then, you know, I was becoming like pretty active on TikTok. Um, my personal page, which is like so dumb. <laughs> my personal page went mildly viral for a political post I made. And over like the course of, I don't know, a month, I went from like 30 followers to 5,000, like just because of these like three posts I made where I was like being political. Um, and so because I was like getting really active on TikTok, I, that's when I discovered Roberta Blevins. And so I was like watching her videos and I, I mean, I probably spent hours one night just watching every single video. And that's when I realized that as much as I love my upline and as great as she is as a person, her business only is sustainable if all of the people that she has amassed underneath her stay. That if all of a sudden everybody underneath her little triangle decide they don't want to do this anymore, 
she's not going to be making $50,000 a year because I know that she does make decent sales. I know that she does actively sell the product, but I think that if that was the only thing she did, now I don't have like any actual hard proof. So like, you know, if she ends up listening to this, you know, please, you know, I don't want to name names, but if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm not trying to make claims about your income, but based on what I know, I would, sorry, I'm not my series trying to talk to me. I, I would, I would be very shocked if, if I found out that she was surviving from perfectly posh alone on sales. Um, or that if she lost her entire downline, that she would be able to survive on sales. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that, what, that was like a click for me. And I was like, oh my God, I, I am a part of a pyramid scheme. Like this, this is what it is. And I started doing, like I did a deep dive. I went and looked for an income disclosure from Perfectly Posh and they don't have one. There's like, there's the compensation plan, but there's no income disclosure. And I started looking back through a lot of the posts in our Facebook group. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like the FOMO and the, the encouragement of buying and like making a bulk order and realizing that when the product, you know, there was one time that I remember getting on my computer because something was going to go live at 12 o'clock, a product that everybody seemed to want. And if you didn't get it right at 12 o'clock, it was likely going to sell out. And then the perfectly posh website crashed because so many people were buying it. And then within a couple hours, it sold out. And I realized I was like, it's not selling out because customers are buying it. It's selling out because consultants are buying up all the product. It's a fake supply and demand. Yep. And so once I realized that all of these things absolutely applied to the MLM I was in, I couldn't see it any other way. It was like, once that veil gets pulled back, you're like, son of a bitch, this sucks. Um, so I started becoming a little vocal on my personal page. And then um, that's when I was like, you know what? I think that I have enough that I want to say. And I don't want to necessarily like, just like I didn't want to bombard people with my MLM posts about my products. Cause I had like, I had a, my, my business was called dramatically posh and I had like a separate page and a separate group. Um, and so like, I didn't frequently post on my main Facebook page about posh products. Um, I didn't want to bombard people necessarily with that. So I was like, I need to create something separate for my, to have this outlet, to get this information out there, or when I have thoughts or whatever, to just kind of, and the thing that's really crazy is my upline watches my stories on my, on my other, my, my, I don't want no huns page. I don't know if she watches them just out of sheer, you know, curiosity, but it wasn't too long ago that I finally was removed from the group. Like I was in that group, the the Facebook group for our team for a long time, even after I made, and I had made like a public Facebook post saying like, like a picture of me. And I was like, Hey, it's your former perfectly posh girl. Yes. I said, former, I have left perfectly posh. I'm no longer MLM. Um, and she made a comment on it that was like, you know, I love you always and whatever your journey is and you know, yada, yada but I was still in the group. I was still in that group. And then it wasn't until like maybe last week I went to go look again and I was finally removed. So I, I don't know, I don't know why she watches the stories, but I know that she does because you can, you know, you can see who sees your stories. Um, and I, and I feel, I feel so strange because like, I, 
I don't blame her or anyone else in her team for like my decisions. Cause truthfully, she did not try that hard, but going back now to mental health and my ADHD, I am impulsive. I am very easily, I'm always needing a social aspect. I'm always wanting a community of women and friends and people to talk to. So for people who are like me, and even people who aren't like me, I, I don't think that that wanting friends and wanting a community is necessarily just like an ADHD thing. Like it's that's pretty universal for a lot of people, especially moms. It, you know, all it takes is a couple of random like buzzwords and things that they can just like drop in your inbox for you to just be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm not even gonna think about it. And that's when that's how I got involved. And, you know, we were constantly told like, be genuine with your posts. Here's how you can outsmart the algorithm, change it up, put your face on the graphics. But we were given all of the content, every party, she would make the graphics for us. She would give us the script and we would copy and paste it. And then if somebody messaged me and it'd be like, I don't know what to say, I would ask her and she would be like, here, here's a couple of different scripts you can use. And I'd be like, hey, Trixie, blah, 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 blah. And then I would just like change out Trixie for the girl's name and just copy and paste that as an answer to whatever her question was. So like we were constantly told to be genuine and to create relationships, but I did feel, you know, and I didn't realize why I felt, I didn't know why I felt this way, but I felt weird because I was told to like, sometimes like I was told like, just follow up with people and just ask them how they're doing. You don't want it to be salesy for every nine posts you have. Only one of them can be a sales post. You have to be genuine and people have to believe that you care about them because you do care about them. And I realized that every time I reached out to someone truly just to see how they were for no reason for a sale, I was like, they're going to think I'm going to ask them about posh. And then if there was a weird opening, I would feel like, oh, but this would be a good moment to mention this because like my friend would be like, oh, I've been having a really hard time sleeping and things are rough. And I'd be like, oh man, that sucks. Then I'd be like, I should mention the sleepy stick. And then I would. And so like, you know, you just feel like you've got a, and then I started feeling guilty. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't record myself washing my face today. So I missed an opportunity to, to let people know how great my life is. And then, you know, the, the false belief of, that because of <laughs> my MLM, I was able to pay for things. They give you a debit card to pay, like that they put your commissions on. And they also had instant pay, which was like super great. Like if somebody made an order, I would immediately get an email that was like, you got paid right now. So anytime an order happened, I didn't have to wait for a paycheck. You know, like Monet's like, you get paid five times a week. Well, with Perfectly Posh, I was paid any random time of the day. But sometimes it was like a buck 50 because if somebody bought, you know, one soap <laughs> like for $10, I wasn't making any money off that. But sometimes I would let that money just sit in that card and I would use that money for, you know, my son's tuition for dance class or going out to mom. I remember making a certain post that was like, you know, we went out for a parent's night out to the winery and I used my perfectly posh money to pay for the drinks and my husband didn't have to pull up the card. But then money for other things elsewhere or buying more supplies for posh came from my normal checking account. Mm -hmm. So I was making these posts, making it sound like perfectly posh was helping me pay for my extra coffee, my son's dance classes, my mom's and my parents night out. But 
mathematically speaking, it actually probably, it wasn't. And the reason I know it wasn't was because at the end of the two years, I sold in total $11,135 worth of product. I made in commission $3,112 in commission. But when I added up all of the orders that I placed, now some of those could have been bulk orders or people gave me money so that I made like the commission from that. So this number isn't exact. However, when I add up that total, it's $4,012 that I spent in orders and I only earned 3,112. So I definitely spent more money than I earned, but I made posts that said, thanks to Perfectly Posh because of Perfectly Posh. And so when I see people, especially right now, because like Monet seems to be the one that's like the most prevalent in my area right now, not a ton, not a ton of people, but like, I don't see anything Arbonne in my world. It's like Beachbody, Color Street, Senegence, and Monet. Those are like the four that are like in, in the Pittsburgh area, I think. So many of the people that are posting are like, because of Monet and our five paychecks a week, I'm able to pay for my daughter's haircut. And I'm like, I'm like, sweetheart, your paycheck you got on Friday was likely for $50. Like I, like you may have made sales, but I know what that paycheck, I just know because I experienced it in a different MLM. Like I know you're not making a 500, $600, $700 paycheck every week. You're just not. Yeah. So yeah. I know that those you're recruiting. But even with Monet, we know that the 15th, I believe if I'm right, the 15th pay, like that bonus pay is from the recruits. Mm -hmm. So then like, even then, if you're not recruiting, you're not getting that fifth paycheck. (laughs) So it's just like, I, because I was in it and people will be like, oh, well, mine's different. Well, you know, it's not. I have a good friend from high school. She is still selling LuLaRoe currently. Um, And she and I actually had a really excellent conversation the other night about LuLaRoe um, and her experience, she had said for a while that she, like, she doesn't recruit, she only survives on sales. And I was like, hella skeptical. I was like, yeah, right. I don't buy it. But then she and I talked more extensively just the other night. And she said, she's like, completely, I have four people underneath me and I didn't even try to recruit them. They just wanted to join and they have no one below them. She's like, so that's like the extent of my team. But she, what really like, what really was important to me was that she said she went to the conference or leadership, whatever thing they had. And she said that there was, and because of things that she's seen in my posts, she was in some of these meetings and because of things she learned from me is what she said. She heard them say things and she'd be like, ah, this feels a little bit culty. And so she didn't go to a number of sessions. She just like went to the bar and got drunk instead Instead of going to those sessions that were like, how to build a team, how to recruit, how, you know, she didn't go to those sessions. And she said that the current top salesperson in LuLaRoe also does not have a team, that they are living completely off of the sales because LuLaRoe made such changes, you know, and I, and I told her, I was like, listen, I was like, I'm never going to be pro LuLaRoe. I said, but if, you know, she's currently now thinking about starting her own boutique so that she can sell multiple things. I was like, if this experience with LuLaRoe helps you actually launch your own legitimate boutique, I'm all for it. And I will be happy to buy from you when you have that. But it was like really, so like, I know that at least with her, and I'm sure there are others that are similar to her, 
There are some people that are involved in an MLM where they are genuinely making, I guess, a living just from sales. But again, that's so rare. It's very, very rare. They might not be the 1%, but the, the people who are the 1%, I mean, when we see these reels from like the Monet Hans, I'm just going to go back to Monet. I mean, that lifestyle is so unrealistic. Most of it is fake. Yeah. And I, it's just, it's like, it's so frustrating to know that like, that I subscribe to it, that I fell for it. Um, and that it just, and, and truthfully all, and, and, you know, we talk about the fake friendships. I wasn't close with any of these women that were in perfectly posh, but you know, they never talked to me. I get like, once I left the group, once I stopped commenting on the group and I'm friends with a few of them still on Facebook, but like I messaged the one girl because my upline had gone to, she had earned a trip to Punta Cana and she was able to take her husband. And I wanted to know, did she, was that completely all expenses paid? And I had said to her, I was like, Hey, when blah, 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 went to Punta Cana, when she won that trip, I use the word one. And she's like, you mean when she earned it? And I was like, okay, when she earned it, I was like, what did she have to pay for? And she was like, nothing. And I'm like, really? I, I, and so that's the thing I don't know, because I do think for some of them, there are certain trips that are supposed to be technically flight, rental, hotel. And I think that maybe Perfectly Posh does have one a year that is that, but again, I might be wrong. But the other trips though, you know, the conferences, those things, they're not free, you know, you have to pay. And so it's like, it's just really frustrating that I, I wanted to go to conference. I wanted to go to the convention and they call it uncon. They call it unconvention because it's not like a normal convention. It's a big old party. Certainly not. It's certainly not. Right. So, you know, in like an hour long nutshell, that, that is like my MLM experience um, and I've just, I've become, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but like, I'm going to use the word hyper-focused. I've become hyper-focused as part of my ADHD on this, on creating this content, on watching these commentary. Like I watch Isabella Lanter content, Lanter. Yeah. Isabella Lanter content and, um, walk at what Julie Joe, I watch hers and Chelsea Suarez. I watch her videos. Like and I have learned so much from them. I've learned more from these women and just like, I've learned more about protective language and like how to talk about these people without getting yourself in trouble, you know, without like being actually guilty of slander or, or, you know, libel or whatever. Um, I've learned more from these women from this community. And it's been nice being a part of this community because there is no other, there's no other, uh, there's no underlying reason for anyone in our anti-MLM community to want to be friends with you because they're not earning anything from you. They're yes. not trying to be your friend so that you will help them make money. It's just right. like, oh, hey, you make great content. Let's be friends and let's message. And like, I have more messages on my anti-MLM account from people I literally don't know, but who want to talk to me about this stuff than I do on my normal account. So it's it's been a really amazing um you know, it's been a really crazy journey, but I'm so happy that I'm finally on this side of it. Yeah. And isn't it crazy too? Cause like, I feel like now I get the same like dopamine hits from the, like my podcast stuff. Like I, like when somebody emails me 
without me trying to like find someone and someone just emails me and it's like, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast and I want to be on an episode. By the way, that email is from huns to humans at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I, I don't want no huns email too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I totally understand. And even so, so then I started recently in the past week, I, and I put it in my story on my personal page, on my personal Instagram, I started kind of going back over there now because I was doing a lot of commentary stories on my, you know, my anti-MLM account, but I realized like pretty much everyone who's watching that they're already on this train. They're already, they're there. They know they're looking for more information or just like things to laugh at and like help them just like, you know, stay a part of the community. I have more people in my personal life that are um, vulnerable to this. And so I started going back to my personal Instagram and just being like, Hey, so I just want to talk about something like last night I did, I did one on my personal stories about Beachbody because I was doing a story the day before about just like warning signs of things to look out for. If somebody's trying to recruit you and a girl messaged me that I went to high school with and she was just like, Hey, so I was, I was re- listening to your story and, uh, I, to, uh, truth be told, I'm a part of Beachbody and, um, I was thinking about canceling it cause I did lose 30 pounds, but it wasn't like entirely from Beachbody. It was from like a lot of different things, but I'm trying to cancel. And my coach is trying to get me to become a coach. And a lot of the things you were saying in your story, like sound like are pretty much exactly what she was saying to me. And I was like, let's talk about it. So we started talking about all the things and the warning signs. And so then I was like, you know what, I'm going to make a story because we're getting up to the holidays and people are going to be approached by like, they're going to be inundated by the, the, the wellness community, the health and wellness MLM community, the Beachbody, the Herbalife, the Arbonne, and now Monet with their protein shakes. Cause like, you know, when I think of shampoo, I think of protein shakes. That's Monet. <laughs> so I, it makes no sense to me. So I started going over there because those are the people, the people that I know personally that I want to just like give them the information. Here's what I've learned. Here are things that you're going to hear that people are going to say to you that you may not know because I can just like post all day long, like don't join an MLM, but if I don't give them the reasons why, they're not going to know. And truthfully, like the people, the amount of people that watch those stories compared to my, you know, no Huns uh, stories is very small but I've had enough people reach out to me already just to talk about, and I have stopped at least uh, four people from joining an MLM in the past like four months. I know like it's super, I actually had one woman. uh, She is the mother of one of my former students and my student, it was so funny because the student, uh, this former student babysits for me and her mother is my massage therapist, best massage therapist in the Pittsburgh area. I swear to God. And my student called me and she's like, Mallory, I need to talk to you. I just left my mom's place, um, her, her, her business. And we definitely did something that was like very anti MLM. And I know that you've been doing a lot of stuff. So can like, I tell you what this was about. And I was like, yes, please. So she told me everything that happened. And I was like, oh yeah, your mom definitely just joined an MLM. Like I'm going to call her right now. So I text her and I was like, Hey, you're able to talk. And she was like, I'm with whatever this guy's name was. And I was like, Um, I need to talk to you immediately. And I started sending her screenshots of this business. This business was called secret, but it was like S E A C R E T was like the dead sea stuff. I don't know. I never heard of it before, but like, just from looking at the website, I was like, Oh no, 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 this is, this is bad news. And so I like sent her all this stuff. And the next day she called me and she was like, can I come over tonight? So I can talk to you about like what 
what happened because I think I, I, I joined, I think I joined and I was like, oh yeah, for sure. So she came over that night, we had pumpkin beers and I like, she told me the whole story and I like helped her draft the email. I helped her read through the fine print to like find where she can cancel and how she can cancel. And then I helped her draft the email to her recruiter and he would not stop texting me like, let's not make any rash decisions. Let's talk. And I was like, he needs you to join because he's going to make a commission off of you or he's gonna make a bonus because you joined. So he doesn't want you to leave because he won't get that money. I was like, that's why he's like being so aggressive with you right now. Um, so I was, she was the first one that I helped not join. And there've been a couple since then. So it's like, that's like the dopamine high that I like really love getting now yeah. of just knowing that I helped someone not lose money and not be scammed because it's really, it's, it's a very deceptive scam. People don't, it doesn't look like a scam. It doesn't look like a normal scam. So people are like, oh, this must not be a scam. And I'm like, it is, don't you fret. It is a scam. So that's, um, you know, that's pretty much, I guess, I don't know my whole story in a not nutshell, but <laughs> in a podcast, in a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many good points. Um, circling all the way back to when you were, um, when your posh uh, business had the fundraiser, um, my Arbon team also had fundraisers, and I was like, "This is so scammy!" But I like did it anyways. It was like the last thing I did with Arbon yeah. was I like they would we would buy these like hand lotion things and give them to people in nursing homes with it was like a hand lotion and a chapstick right. and like something else in it. And like, so they tell you to put your business card in with it. I sent them, I had them all shipped to my upline and she packaged them and did all of the hard work. Cause I was like, oh, I don't okay. have time to do this, but like I'll collect donations. So we were, we were encouraged to put our business card in with any gifts that we just like gifted people. And I remember there was one time this, um, the school psychologist at my, the, the last school that I worked at before where I currently work, she had like suddenly gotten married like it was like they got engaged and they got married like real quick over the summer so when we came back for in-service we decided to like get her a gift and I oh god I had I said I was like hey I sell these like really great pampering products I can put together a basket if you guys want to just like give me whatever money like I'll collect money for it and then I'll put together a basket and then I did but like a lot of it was also stuff like I added to it from free stuff that I also had. So I ordered some things and then put some other things in the basket. So I made her this like beautiful, perfectly posh gift basket. And then I put my business cart in there and you know how much she bought from me later? Nothing. <laughs> she never bought like, but, but I told my aunt when I was doing that, she's like, Oh, that's such a great, that's, she's like, that's so thoughtful. She'll love that. And she did. And she's like, Oh, this is so nice. Like, I love all these things. She's like, make sure you put your business card in there because then if she likes something, she can order from you later. And I was like, oh yeah, obviously, yeah, that makes sense. And so I did, she didn't buy anything from me ever again. And that happened time and time again. If I gave out samples, I like remember my most engaged post was when I posted a picture of all these little sample packs that I had made up. And I was like, who wants one? Drop a comment or an emoji if you want a sample pack. And I got all these emojis. People were like, because people want free crap. Yeah. So I spent money on shipping. And that's the thing. This, this number doesn't even account for what I spent in shipping when I would send out free stuff. Yep. So 
I, I would do that. I sent out all these samples and it, it garnered very little sales, you know, and at the end of the day, my upline never said to me, like, I never was told like the infamous phrase, you didn't work it hard enough, but the, the things that we were told was like, we got to make sure you follow up. You gotta, you gotta follow up. How long did you wait till you followed up? And then if there would be a sale of the worst one was like, if there was a sale, she'd be like, so go through your virtual office and look for every person who's ever bought this particular item and then follow up with them and let them know it's on sale. And I was like, who, who, that, who, who's do, who is doing this part-time? That is like, if like she had left her job, she was doing perfectly posh full time. So of course she had time to do that. But anyone else who was trying to do this part-time, no, who has time to do that? Nobody has time to do that. So obviously I didn't. And then I wouldn't get the sales and it would be like, well, did you follow up? And I'm like, well, no. And she'd be like, okay, well, next one. So, you know, she would, they would never say like, you didn't work it hard enough, but there were like other ways of saying that like without definitely. using those words. Right. Yeah. All right. So I have a kind of sassy end of podcast question for you. Love it. Um, so if you uh, were going to make any item or like if you were going to make your own MLM, what would your company sell? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I actually just made this joke with some, <laughs> um, I don't, okay. I, I have to come up with a different answer. I don't think, I don't think I can say it. Oh, you can. I can put explicit on the podcast. That's fine. Uh, okay. So yeah, edit this part out. No, I, no, I don't edit. I don't edit. Oh, you don't edit. Never mind. There, <laughs> there is a product that I, when it, <laughs> I made a joke that when it becomes, I'll just say this. There is a product that I said, when it becomes legal across the country, federally, oh, we should yeah. create an MLM that sells that. But we don't pay in money. We just pay in that, if you know what I'm hinting at. And it was just like a joke that we were making. And, but I was like laughing so hard at this idea of like, oh my God, I just laughed so hard that like my stomach is cramping. Like, <laughs> like that. Okay. But in all seriousness, if I was going to make an MLM for a product, honestly, I don't think there's nothing that hasn't been tapped. Like, I'm going to stand up for a second because it's like cramp is killing me. There's nothing that hasn't been already like tapped in the market that we don't already have that we can make an MLM for, right? Like there's yeah. everything. Like there's, there's candles. already a chocolate. Huh? There's already a chocolate one. There's I'm- chocolate. There's candles. There's health and wellness. There's shampoo. There's jewelry. There's nails. I mean, what's like, all, the only thing that's left is like. There's dirt. Don't forget the dirt. Oh my God, the dirt, the dirt. Sorry, I'm like literally stretching. You can tell your, your listeners, like I'm on the other side of the room oh, stretching. You're like, oh, I know, damn. I know what we could do. And we'll what? do it together. Obviously, we'll be the head of the MLM. Obviously. Crystals, all the rage. I feel like there is one though. There has to be. I'm going to look it up because I feel like there absolutely has to be. The only one that I don't think there is is like glasses and contacts. Mm. Like, so we'll create one for glasses and contacts because, you know, Perfect. everybody needs eyewear, right? Everyone needs eyewear. Everyone. Oh yeah, just ridiculous. So that is... Yeah, that would be, oh my God. I'm like, my cramps, I'm getting like a cramp in my thigh. I think that's what MLM does to me. It like makes me cramp up. 
It's a, literally a pain in your in my hamstring. This is the craziest thing to end this podcast with is like this random cramping in my thigh. I'm like standing here walking around trying to walk it off. I must be dehydrated. Like that must be it. I must not be. Maybe I need a Monet shake to unbelievable. I'm gonna have to like finish this standing because I'm afraid if I sit down, like you can't even see me. If I sit down, I'm afraid I'll like cramp up again. Hi, there I am. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Well, if you want to be on the podcast, please reach out to me. I'm always looking. Um, and the email is from huns to humans at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at from huns to humans and also dabbling in tiktoks but not very consistently so also from hunts to humans at tiktok i'll put all of your info on how people can find you in the show notes because you're hilarious and if you don't if you do not follow i don't want no huns you are missing out (laughs) because you're just hilarious (laughs) thank you so much i really appreciate it (laughs) all right everyone have a fantastic night and i will see you next time